This is an irreverent podcast. Check out irreverent.fm for shows from all our friends. Hi, everyone. This is Blake Chastain, host of Exvangelical. The conversation you're about to hear was recorded today, June 15th, 2021, and was not edited. I spoke with Emily Joy Allison about what is happening in Nashville, Tennessee at the Southern Baptist Convention. Emily is the person to talk to about these issues because she is the creator of the Church 2 hashtag and has been a consistent advocate for those who have suffered abuse in church environments. I do want to let listeners know um, that this conversation does come with a trigger warning in regards to child sex abuse or any other type of sexual abuse or misconduct in uh, religious or church environments, and we also do touch on elements of racism as well. This is a wide-ranging discussion, and I really don't want to preface it much more um, other than to say that I was very thankful to be able to talk to Emily about her uh, own experience within these traditions, as well as some recent direct action she's also taken that is tied to her work uh, advocating for Church too. So without further ado, let's get right into the conversation. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at BRChastain. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Pod. You can leave a rating uh, for the show on Apple Podcasts if you're on those platforms. And if you want to directly support the show, you can go to postevangelicalpost.com and sign up for a paid subscription. All right, let's get into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Exvangelical. I have with me a return guest, Emily Joy Allison. I just spoke with her a few months ago about her book, Church 2, and I am happy to have her back and give some context to the things that are happening in her town of Nashville, Tennessee, where the Southern Baptist Convention is taking place. Welcome back to the show, Emily. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, I wish um, we didn't have to so frequently (laughs) talk about this stuff, but unfortunately, there is no deficit, so... Yeah, it, we we always talk about the most fun things on this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but that seems to be our at least our public bailiwick. Um so I want to give a little bit of context for for those listeners who may not know who you are. Uh you are the creator of the Church 2 hashtag um which has uh led to a lot of discussion and controversy and back and forth in the Southern Baptist Convention, as well as other denominations here in the U.S. and around the world. Can you um, summarize for the listeners quickly uh, just how that started and, and what the intent of that is and how, and then we'll get in through our conversation uh, about how that is playing out today. Yeah, I mean, so I guess like kind of elevator uh, pitch-wise, uh Church 2 began as a spinoff of the Me Too movement, which a lot of people are familiar with, um, started by Tarana Burke, I mean, well over a decade ago at this point, um, working mm-hmm. with uh, women of color who have been survivors of sexualized violence and then kind of went viral um, in the fall of 2017 online and led to a lot of um, allegations of sexual abuse against uh, men in Hollywood, men in Washington, this sort of thing. And so um, during that same time frame, I came forward with my story of being groomed for an abusive relationship when I was with hi- in high school um, by a much older uh, youth leader who was in his 30s who, um, yeah, kind of took advantage of me in that way. And um, when I came forward, a lot of other people started talking about how like they had had similar experiences with um, that sort of thing. And um, so out of that, Church 2 was born um, and kind of became a place, really the intention for it was to provide a space for folks who have this very specific experience of religious sexualized violence mm-hmm. to um, both just cathartically kind of talk about that experience and then also actively, um, proactively do organizing, um, work for accountability for the folks that have harmed them and that sort of thing. So that's sort of the intention behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that actually has been engaged with in different ways by SBC leadership in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so how, I mean, that they've not, in the past, they've not engaged with you directly, have they? Well, no. So I think what was interesting about it was um, because I am queer, uh, there was a lot of hesitancy on the part of evangelical media towards the beginning of this 
um, to kind of engage with it directly. So for the first few months, um, you know, secular media was on it. I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I did interviews, uh, you know, in all kinds of secular media outlets, but, um, Christian media didn't want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. Uh, and they were, you know, always, always about evangelicalism's me too movement and like never about church too. Right. right. Because, because I'm gay as hell. So, uh, so, <laughs> so with that, yeah, it was kind of confusing, but then after a while, you know, then it, you know, it couldn't be ignored. And so now you will kind of see, like, you can type church too into like, for example, the gospel coalition website and get some results. You can get, mm-hmm. you can see a lot of like conservative Christians starting to talk about it because it's at a place now where it's like, okay, you actually can't, like, this isn't just some like fringe concern. This is a very base, like very groundswell movement. Um, and so we can't ignore it anymore. And so now people are, are talking about it a little bit more. And I think um, it seems like with this year's Southern Baptist Convention, which is happening, you know, right here in my hometown, like mm-hmm. <laughs> two miles away from where I'm sitting right now, um, it, it's both the issue of, um, I mean, really, really, it's the issue of white supremacy. They're calling it you know, quote unquote, critical race theory, but they, they don't know what that means. That's, that's not what they're, they're not referring to what is actually critical race theory when they say that. But um, it's, it's both the issue of, of white supremacy, racism, critical race theory, and then also sexual abuse and sexual violence that is, mm-hmm. is really kind of splitting, splitting the SBC from the inside right now. And I can't, I, I apologize. I, I couldn't remember this particular detail before, um, before we talk today, did you grow up attending a Southern Baptist church or was it um, one of the many sort of denominations that had been impacted by Southern Baptist type of theology? Because, I mean, there's a, a running sort of framing within various post-evangelical discussions that, like, yeah. you know, if you're non-denominational, you're basically de facto Baptist, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, and a lot of a lot of non-denominational churches uh, used to be Baptist and then are no longer. So um, for mm-hmm. me, my dad was a Southern Baptist youth pastor when I was born. So I was born Southern Baptist, but um, he actually kind of ended up becoming sort of like an itinerant preacher. And so we ended up spending a lot of time in like a lot of different kind of denominations growing up. So my mm-hmm. I was born Southern Baptist. Um, and then the church where I was abused, the church where I went to in high school, um, I think used to be Baptist maybe, and then became not, they were, they weren't one of those churches where it's like, you know, there's a lot of churches. I don't know how it is, you know, in, in Chicago, but in, in, in uh, Tennessee, there's a ton of churches that are called things like the fire or mm-hmm. like community church or something <laughs> like that. But they're like actually Southern Baptist churches. They just didn't put like first Baptist church in their name or whatever. Um, right. So it wasn't like that in high school, the church that I went to, because it was kind of like a non-denominational mega church. I think a lot of the folks that started it had Baptist roots. So there was a lot of influence on that, but they were right. also just cr- trying to like kind of be Willow Creek light essentially. Um, so yeah, so I have, a I was born Southern Baptist and I have a lot of Southern Baptist, um, like influences and roots throughout my life. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I I did want to sort of ask that question just to ground your own personal experience as well as. Oh yeah. I'm not coming. I'm not coming to it like from an outsider perspective of someone who's like (laughs) never darkened the doors of a Southern Baptist church. No, this is like part of my heritage. Right. And, and it, it, it does also, just as you explained, um, their their influence does go beyond even the 14.5 million southern baptists that are that yeah. are represented within the convention absolutely and you since since you started the hashtag um you also recently published a book that came out in march mm-hmm. uh, we talked about that recently on the show how has the response been to to that so far you know you know i think overall i have had a lot of uh really a lot of people have said a lot of really positive things uh, about it to me. I, um, as a personal boundary, I don't read a lot of the feedback because I'm just kind of like, you know what? Like, first of all, this is my story. So like, you know, it's better for me to not, but also second of all, like, I like the book. Like, I think it's a good book. So like, I, you know, I'm, you know, if someone says like, I don't like it, I'm like, okay, well that's, you don't have to, but like, (laughs) do I need to read that? No. Um, So anyway, um, and you know, I, as with any book, like so many people that I love and cherish and whose, whose brains I really deeply respect read it before we hit like the publish button, you know? <laughs> so like, I feel like I've gotten the feedback from the folks I'm in community with sure, that I, sure. that I need, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. So all that to say, um, there was one guy, uh, on Goodreads I did read that called it, um, what did he say? Remarkably cogent. 
Um, <laughs> just, I'm... you know, it was so um, remarkably cogent. Uh, my book is according to some guy on Goodreads. <laughs> so um, there's that. But yeah, no, <laughs> also, I mean, all jokes yes. aside, I have gotten a lot of like really positive feedback on it. And a lot of people who have said a, a lot of really kind things about it. And I, I kind of feel like, you know, the reason I wrote it was not really so much to like, you know, I didn't write it for churches. I didn't write it for pastors. Mm-hmm. Like I wrote it for survivors. And so when right. people who are survivors come to me and say like, Hey, like this book made sense of my experience. This book gave me language to like, um, talk about what I have been through. I mean, that is, that's the whole thing. That's the whole point. So like at that point, I'm like, even if it's just that for one person, then I've done my job, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's, I, I feel very similarly just about all the sort of very, very vulnerable things that that people publish about their experiences within the church. Um, sort of, Moving this conversation forward to where we are now, there have been a few uh, notable things that have happened. Uh, Beth Moore left the church, mm. uh, Russell, uh, the Southern Baptist Church. Uh, Russell Moore left the Southern Baptist Church. Unrelated. Unrelated. Um, but uh, nonetheless, two mm. high-profile Moors um, mm-hmm. have left the uh, Southern Baptist Convention and uh, moved on. Um, and some of the things that have come out have been really relative to how they through very sort of uh, churchy ways have tried to address things both publicly and privately to move things forward. Um, You also recently did uh, held a protest um, outside of uh, Russell Moore's new congregation. So I would, I would love to hear about how, what led to that particular action um, and, and how that went. Oh man, I, it, I, this is like the first time I'm really like talking about it with anyone because it, it was just such a, um, it was a really complicated experience. I think so for me, especially because, you know, in the pandemic gave me a lot of like, um, I, I guess like dreaming space to think about mm-hmm. like how I want to, how I want to inhabit church too moving forward. Like what I want to do with it. Cause I was finishing up. So, um, I finished up the edits on church two on the book, um, in maybe like month two or three of the pandemic. Uh, and then after that, it was all just kind of like the stuff that you do after the book is written, right? You got to like get your social media in order and get your endorsers and like all this, you know, background information that no one ever sees. Mm-hmm. And, and so that whole space gave me a lot of time to think about, okay, like when this book is out, like, then what do I want to do? Like, what do I want to How do I, how do I move this from like, you know, I think, I think the jump from a Twitter hashtag into a book was great. But then Mm -hmm. I was like, what's the next jump after I write a book about this? Like, what do I do next? And I was thinking like, what if I did some kind of protest? What if I did some kind of direct action? And I was even thinking about a conference too, you know, stuff like that. Just, just thinking about how to physically, when it's safe, bring people back together. And that was kind of the hard part thinking about it in the pandemic of like, you know, like at that point, when I first started thinking about it, I mean, vaccines were just like a twinkle in the eye of Anthony Fauci. You know what I'm saying? Like it was, it was very far away. And so I was yeah. like, Damn, like, how do I, how do I do this? But then, you know, like as things start to open up, I'm like, maybe I could do a conference. Maybe I could do a protest, just something to bring it into like the physical space of like bodies meeting bodies, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I had, I had already been kind of like thinking through these things and then the stuff about Russell Moore and the SBC and Emmanuel came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in some senses it was sort of like a test run. Cause I was like, okay, this is a, this is a thing that might actually make a difference because, because here's the thing, right? Um, if I wanted to protest a church that was sexist, homophobic, lying to people probably has mishandled cases of sex abuse in the past. I mean, I'd be protesting a bunch of churches in Nashville. Right. But like, Mm -hmm. I think if you're going to go to the trouble of doing something like a physical direct action, um, it it should be strategic. It should be something where the needle can be moved. And that's what I was trying to think of is like, where can I be strategic? Like if I'm going to go to the trouble of getting people together and standing outside someplace with signs and like handing out flyers and doing all this stuff, like where, where can it be someplace where like there's a needle that can actually be moved? And that's why I'm not downtown right now. I'm in my house drinking wine, talking to you because it would be pointless for me 
to go try to protest the Southern Baptist Convention downtown because, mm-hmm. like, you know, like they're just doing the things that Southern Baptists do. I've literally had this convention on all day long while I have been putting together all of this IKEA furniture that I bought yesterday. And they're talking about how, like, homosexuality is a thing about which faithful Christians cannot disagree and critical race theory is bad and let's do all this stuff. And it's like, you know, if I protest, it's like protesting a dog for barking, you know, like, <laughs> like it's just doing the thing that a dog does. Right. And that's, they're just being the Southern Baptist convention. This would be pointless. It's not, I would be a waste of my energy. I'd be tired. I'd be overwhelmed. But I saw this, I saw this moment with Russell Moore, where I was like, Russell Moore has actually demonstrated an ability in the past to like intake new information and like Mm -hmm. change his behavior accordingly. Yeah. So I saw this, I saw this moment and I was like, this might be an opportunity to like put some feet to the fire and like actually maybe make a difference. Um, so on Tuesday, June 1st is when it was announced that, well, so Russell Moore had left the SBC, like in the previous weeks. Yeah, um, he, he tried to sneak it into like the long Memorial oh, Day weekend news. Yeah, it's yeah. so complicated. Some of this is like, <laughs> the, what, sometimes when I look at this stuff, I'm like, this must ha- this must be like, like how people look at me talking about this stuff must be how like when I look at people when they talk about Game of Thrones, right? And they're like, <laughs> Cer- Cersei did this and the other guy did this. And I'm like, I don't know any of these people or why it matters, right? It requires... It requires such like insider knowledge to understand what's oh, going yeah. on. Yeah, but you um, know, this is an insider audience that's listening. But yeah, so. <laughs> no. So essentially, Russell Moore left the SBC. Yep. Dramatically. Mm-hmm. And then there were some letters leaked, which appear to be genuine, um, about how it was mainly over racism and abuse mishandling. So there was a lot of stuff about the white supremacy, about like the neo, like he basically was like, some of y'all are neo Confederates. <laughs> um, and right. then. There was also like, because of all this like intimidation of victims and like all this mishandling of sex abuse allegations, like this is stuff I cannot abide by. So he left. And then, and, and what's wild is, uh, the most recent letter that was just leaked was from May 31st. And the next day on Tuesday, June 1st, he was announced as something called a, like a quote, minister in residence at this church in Nashville called Emmanuel. Um, Emmanuel is not a Southern Baptist church, um, but it is an Acts 29 church. And here's the other thing. I went to an Acts 29 church for like three years in college. I know about Acts 29. Like this is another thing where I'm like, I feel like people like sometimes see me as this like outside agitator. And I'm like, I, li- I literally went to an Acts 29 church for like three years in college. Like, I know what I'm talking about. I know what's going on. Like, I have a vested interest in this. I have experience. Like, I'm not coming to this as like, I'm just going to come from the outside and tell you what's wrong. Like, I have lived this world. I have sat in that church while my pastor said like, I don't want to say this, but like the gospel compels me to say this, that women cannot be pastors. And like, you Mm -hmm. know, like I have sat in the pews while my Acts 29 pastor said that to me. So, so it's not, it's not like an outside situation. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You've you've absorbed those teachings and I have. Yeah. So Russell Moore gets announced at this. Now this would not be that big of a deal. Like normally Russell Moore going from the SBC to the Acts 29 church is like not a news story, right? That's right. not that's not a big deal, except for the fact that he left the SBC over abuse. And at this Acts 29 Emmanuel church here in Nashville is a guy called Ray Ortland. And Ray Ortland was the senior pastor for a long time and is now kind of like an associate pastor. I think on the website, they call him like a pastor to pastors. So I think he's like the pastor to the pastoral staff. I don't really know what that means, but he is on staff there still. Now he did just the day after, by the way, (laughs) 24 24 hours after I announced uh, the protest, they announced that Ray Ortland was leaving to take a... um, position with the Anglican church 
in North America, the ACNA, which if you don't know, is the branch of Episcopalianism that exists because they didn't want to um, affirm gay people. So they Mm. branched off from the Episcopal Mm -hmm. Church in order to avoid having to affirm LGBTQ folks, which is real sad um, and a huge bummer. Um, But anyway, so Ray Ortland is on his way out, but he is at this church currently. He's at Emmanuel currently. And he is like BFFs with CJ Mahaney and Sovereign Grace Ministries. And this is where I start to feel like the guy in the meme with all the red strings. Yeah. And yep, the, it's the all tape connected. up on the wall. And it's the conspiracy theory meme, you know. Let's but talk about like, the mail. Let's talk about uh, the mail. Yeah. But let's talk about let's talk about CJ Mahaney and Sovereign Grace. So mm-hmm. one of the most annoying things in my entire like career with Church Two is that it happened after hashtag I stand with SGM victims Mm. Um, because that should have blown up so much larger than it did. And, and it has always been like a burden. Like this is like me getting like evangelical, but it's always been like a burden on my heart that like (laughs) I stand with SGM victims happened before church too, because it didn't get the, um, the media attention that it deserved. Mm -hmm. Um, but essentially in, I think it was about 2014, 2015, um, when I stand with SGM victims happen and, um, SGM stands for Sovereign Grace Ministries and mm-hmm. it was a global conglomerate of ministries. They had churches and all this kind of stuff everywhere. Um, basically started by this guy named CJ Mahaney and someone else, this other guy who CJ and him had a falling out at some point, but, um, CJ is kind of the main guy now over, over this. And, um, I mean, the allegations that started to come forward out of it, I mean, it was 2011 or 2012 when they really started to like come forward in earnest, some of the Mm -hmm. victims. Um, and it is just like really unbelievably just brutal child sex abuse stuff. Um, and so then this hashtag started to happen and when the hashtag started to happen, um, can you see me? I'm slowing down. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's okay. And that actually can happen with this website. It'll downgrade, but it'll okay, still, cool. it'll record. As long and, as you can see me. Yeah. Yep. You're good. Cool. Um, so the hashtag happened in like 2014, 2015. I'll have to double check mm-hmm. that. Um, and it did get some traction. You know, there was some people who were talking about it. And in fact, to this day, that's why I am blocked by the Gospel Coalition Twitter is because the Gospel Coalition Twitter went through and systematically blocked everyone who was using the hashtag in a positive light. So there's lots of people actually who are blocked by the Gospel Coalition because of this hashtag. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very threatening to the people in power. Um, and it caused a stir. But this was before Church 2. This is before Me Too. And so, like, it just did not get, like, the viral media attention that it really should have. Mm-hmm. Um, which has always, it has always made me feel like, damn, I just, I wish that would have happened later. And so it's always been kind of a goal of mine to, like, remember SGM survivors and, like, do right by SGM survivors and try to, like, bring them up in these conversations. Because I really just don't feel like they got paid the proper attention as evidenced by the fact that CJ Mahaney is still preaching. He still has a church. Like he still has a ministry. He still has mainstream support. Like uh, it's unbelievable to me that well over a decade after these allegations have come forward that like people are still supporting him. He still has a church. He's still preaching. They're headquartered in Louisville now. They didn't used to be, um, but they are now headquartered in Louisville and, and Ray Ortland from Emmanuel. Uh, preached as a guest preacher at CJ's church in Louisville as recently as April, like, mm. like a couple months ago, April. Um, and so it's really weird, right? For Russell Moore to be like, you guys are bad at handling sex abuse and then jump in bed with this church, Emmanuel, where one of the pastors who was the senior pastor for a long time is like best friends with this guy and and preached at his church where like they have like systematically hushed child sex abuse allegations for years. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very, very, very weird and like not at all clear that Russell Moore has 
principles. So that's when I started to see. I, I like I realized what was happening and I saw all this media going, oh, Russell Moore has a lot of principles. Russell Moore, ha- you know, has values. He left the SBC over the racism. He left the SBC over the sex abuse. And I was like, OK, yeah, but then he jumped back in, in bed with the church where the guy's friends with people who like cover up child abuse on purpose. Um, and so. That's kind of what got me thinking about making the protest because I was like, this is a difficult thing to explain. And as you can, I mean, you can tell I've been rambling about this for like 10 minutes at this point. It is hard to explain. It requires a lot of backstory to explain what's going on. Right. Um, But I saw this opportunity and I was like, I think that there's a possibility that if we tell people about this, if we make a big deal about this, if we don't just let it slide, if we don't just, you know, there, there might actually be something to be done here. Um, and, and it's not so much that I think like, if I go stand outside someone's church and protest, then all of a sudden, um, they're going to become this like progressive beacon in the world. Right. Because even if Emmanuel says, okay, we're going to cut ties with Ray Ortland, or we're going to cut ties with CJ Mahaney or any of this stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I couldn't go there. (laughs) They, (laughs) you know, I, I couldn't be married at that mm-hmm. church to my fiance. I couldn't be ordained there. Um, you know, they're still very sexist. They're still very, very homophobic. But I was like, you know, like, even given that fact, uh, the victims of Sovereign Grace Ministries deserve more than that. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of, that's kind of why I did it. Yeah. So we, um, so on Tuesday, June 1st, it was announced. And by Sunday, June 6th, um, we were protesting outside the church. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that's great. And that, that is like, I, I do, um, one of, one of my sort of vague memories of, of that period when they were, when they were getting that attention, as you mentioned, that, that didn't gain steam. Was that around the same time that everything was happening with Mark Driscoll's church on the West coast? Cause I feel like at the same time, like around that 2014 period, some of those stories began to get conflated. Um, Mm-hmm. in some ways and probably lost some yeah. some observers not not to say professional journalists or anything like that mm-hmm. but those who were um who were just trying to follow the stories of all these things that were happening in these um because I, I remember in the in the late 2000s early 2010s you know Mark Driscoll and all these other fo- Acts 29 itself was getting <laughs> yeah. was getting all of this uh press attention for for their rapid growth all of these other things and then for them to yeah well and mark driscoll even now in his new church in arizona is still having troubles but that's a uh that's a yeah, podcast I mean, that, for another I'm, time yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not bringing that up to say <laughs> to say we need to discuss that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because he has his own he has his own thing um i mean but nonetheless, i would just assume never discuss mark driscoll again if i had it up to me but yeah <laughs> yeah Fair, absolutely true. Um, nonetheless, I, I, I mean, I, I think what you, what you did there and connecting those two historical, um, those two historical events is really vital because it does indicate that these, these are not new problems, uh, it, yeah. as evidenced by your own personal experience, by the experience of untold numbers of people, um, who have had these traumas happen to them um for to be able to draw light to that uh is is a very 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 good thing to do and i'm i'm glad you were in present even locally to do that mm-hmm. um what was the sort i mean did you did any local press um reach out to you or yeah. that's great. That's great. Yeah, no, it was great. Um, it was a very small protest to be honest. I'm, I'm so excited to talk about this though. Cause I haven't even like, as of right, I mean, I'm sure by the time that you put this out, I will have tweeted about it. Um, but I haven't had the chance because I literally just got the email yesterday <laughs> that for, for folks who, uh, are just joining in before <laughs> our, uh, <laughs> Before we started recording, I was telling Blake, I literally like have been putting Ikea furniture together all day long because uh, my fiance, Caitlin, and I went to Ikea yesterday in Memphis and like bought a bunch of furniture and came back. And I literally like saw the email on the way home from <laughs> Ikea 
from the church. So there's there's more to the story. So I'm sure by the time this comes out, I will oh, okay. tweet about it. But right now, I haven't yet. So this is like gotcha. I'm very excited to talk about this. So the protest itself was like actually kind of small. Um, it was me. It was like seven people. Um, although it wasn't just my friends, you know, like sometimes you ever, you do identify with that like moment of panic when you have a party and then you think like, you think like maybe no one's going to come. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) That's how how it is like times a hundred when you do something like this. So I was like, maybe no one's going to come, but it actually ended up being like a few people that I knew and then like a few people that I didn't know. So that was kind of great. I did see, I did see just, you know, someone who's probably a mutual follow like on Twitter, like I did see David Dark, who yeah, is mm-hmm. a, who's a, uh, sort of a, a public conversation presence, both mm-hmm. in sort of our sphere of online spaces, as well as being um, a presence in, in Nashville. And I yeah. saw him, I saw him tweeting about it in addition to you. And it was, it was really encouraging to see, uh, it get that, that sort of attention on Twitter yeah. and elsewhere. So no, it was great. And, um, and I got to make a couple new friends out of it. Like people mm-hmm. that just saw about it on Twitter and showed up, which was yeah. super cool. Um, and then we did have a reporter from the Tennessee and come out. And I think, um, with the Southern Baptist convention being so close, what she told me, her name is Holly and she's lovely, um, from the Tennessean, but, um, I think coverage of our protest is going to be, um, lumped in with coverage sure. of the SBC today and tomorrow. So there yeah. today was their first day. Tomorrow's the second day. Um, yeah. and I, Holly's down there obviously covering it, you know, out the wazoo because of the convention and whatever. So, um, she told me it coverage of our protest is going to be looped mm-hmm. in with coverage of what's going on. So I would expect to see stuff about our protest, like in the Tennessee news, um, probably, you know, in the next few days as the convention comes to a close, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so she was really lovely. Um, so we did have we did have the Tennessean come out, and then we had the seven of us, and we had flyers to pass out. Um, and I would say maybe like I don't know, maybe like half a dozen uh, folks from the church spoke to us, which is like, you know, I don't know how big their in person. Uh, I think on their on the online it says they have like a thousand people that go there. Um, I don't know how accurate that is for like pandemic numbers like how many people are coming you know in the first few weeks after people are vaccinated i really don't know um but it was maybe like a half a dozen folks from the church that came out to the sidewalk and talked to us um and and they were mostly like really kind um and curious and courteous and 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 really i I feel genuinely wanted to know um what Mm -hmm. was going on i think it was a little weird because like especially you know man older men in public are just so weird uh, anyway, <laughs> like, you know, even when you just like go to Walmart and older men just feel like the need to speak to you, but then especially when you're protesting their church, they're super weird. Um, and there was a couple of older guys who, who, who said things like, well, you know, I really just like, I, we don't like abuse either. We're really on the same team. And I'm like, I don't, it's not at all clear to me that we are on the same team, given all of the facts of this situation, number one. And number two, like, I couldn't get ordained in your church. I couldn't get married in your church. Like, we are not on the same team. We are not trying to do the same thing in the world. Like, that is not, mm-hmm. that's not what's, so it was, it, that was a little weird. People, when you're protesting their church, people say weird things yeah. um, because they're deeply uncomfortable and they're trying to figure out a way to mitigate their discomfort and like uh, ask you to mitigate their discomfort. And so right. I tried really hard um, not to do that um, yeah. because when people in public ask me to mitigate their discomfort and they deserve to be uncomfortable, it's my sincere belief that like you should be uncomfortable. So I'm not going to make you feel better. Um, but but other than that, it was like the people that talked to us were very kind um, and very curious about what was going on. And overall, mm, you know, we're very, very hospitable. That's that's great. I'm I'm glad to hear that that was um, that that was how it was received yeah. overall, despite some weird <laughs> conversations <laughs> yeah. here and there. I do want to talk in the second half of our conversation really about what's going on down the road from you, uh, SBC 21, um, because what we're what oh, we're wait, seeing. Can we talk about the email first? Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yes. So yeah. I want to talk about okay. this. Then we can talk yeah. about the SBC. Okay. Um, so after the protest, like a week after the protest, I sent an email to the general church email because I thought to myself, you know what? I should send a follow-up 
I should include like an attachment of the flyer we were handing out. Like I should just make sure that everyone has all the information. And I was, I tried real hard. Like, you know me, (laughs) some of the people listening to this know me, like (laughs) I I struggle with kindness sometimes. Um, But I was really nice. And I was like, this is why I organized this protest. This is what you need to do. Like, it's not really a suggestion. It's a moral imperative. Like, here's some other thoughts. I I had also, um, I'd seen someone on Twitter talking about how the church doesn't have a problem with abuse because it uses ministry safe. Um, And I said to them, I was like, listen, I wouldn't um, trust ministry safe to take care of my dog, uh, let alone a person, let alone a congregation of people. And, and so I kind of sent this stuff to them. I was like, hey, like, here's our concerns. Like, here's why we were there. Here's our literature. Like, please know that, like, this is this is very important. This is stuff you have to do. And yesterday, as I was driving back from Memphis, I got a message back from them. I got an email back. Um, and it was very interesting. It was a very interesting email. It, it reiterated a lot of this whole, like, we're on the same team type of stuff, which is, you know, obviously not true. But, but they did say they have looked in, they have, they've submitted a request to contract with Grace, um, with GRACE. Mm-hmm. And, um, cause I suggested that I was like, look into Grace, look into, into account, look into literally anyone but ministry safe. Um, and Grace is, the, is that, that's the, that's Boz uh, yeah. yeah. Um, which is, I think for evangelical churches, it's hard, it's hard to talk about it. Right. Cause it's so evangelical. And like, as a gay person, I have a hard time, you know, recommending anyone that I don't feel super confident would be like respectful of LGBTQ identities. But, um, but I, I've seen them do a lot of, a lot of good work. Um, and, and so they have looked into, um, contracting with grace. Um, and they said, we have a church board meeting scheduled to discuss CJ Mahaney and SGM. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And so I don't know if that would have happened had I not showed up with signs, um, and talked to the Tennessean, but at the very least I caused a very uncomfortable board meeting to be scheduled. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and as much as many of us don't want the world to work that way, mm. that is very much the way yeah. the world can operate. Yeah. Well, and if they come out of it and say, "Too bad, so sad," uh, we're going to keep loving CJ Mahaney. Then I'm going to be like, "Well, I will." Uh, then I'm going to keep bothering you. Um, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, like it, something did happen though. Yeah, they submitted a request to Grace, and they scheduled a a board meeting to talk about their connection to CJ Mahaney and SGM. Well, that's great. Um, That's, that is. So, yeah, I still haven't figured out how I feel about it. I'm kind of like, that's not, um, that's, there shouldn't, you shouldn't have to have a board meeting (laughs) to, uh, (laughs) to discuss that is my first thought. But I'm also like, that's not nothing. Um, right. so I actually feel, I'm kind of like, you know what? Like, I'm really glad it was me and seven people and a Tennessean reporter. And I'm super glad we did it because if what comes out of that is these folks have to have this like very uncomfortable board meeting where they reckon with their complicity and child abuse, like I, that was a good use of my Sunday morning as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. That is great. I'm, I'm super excited to hear that that was the, that that is the beginning of this outcome, you know, yeah. see, see where it we'll goes. See what from happens. There. I'm not, yeah. I am not, um, optimistic about like the ultimate trajectory of these actions, but I feel happy that we did what we did, that right. we showed up. I feel like that was a good use of time. And that right. like my intuition about that being like, uh, like a touch point where a needle might be moved was correct. Good. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, and we'll, I'll be excited to, to hear updates as well. I'm sure I'm going to well. tweet about so, it. I've just oh, been for so sure. busy. I've been so busy putting together dressers. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, when, when there's empty, when there's un, unassembled Ikea stuff in your house, that, yeah. that, that mm-hmm. takes priority. No, it needs to happen. <laughs> over, over tweeting. <laughs> 
You well, know. I'm going to shoehorn a segue into here. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> but let's talk about now the SBC uh, 21 that's happening down the road from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there are a number of things. Like there have been some reports in the New York Times, the Washington Post, mm-hmm. really trying to contextualize what's happening uh, for uh, a broader audience. Um, and it, they they have actually been interesting uh interesting pieces uh, and have had some information come out that's been really valuable to hear, especially about uh, people like Mike Stone, um, who's representing this sort of uh, ultra-conservative wing. Uh, And then, um, I don't know, I was was poking fun at these like Baptist pirates yesterday on Twitter uh, because they're like sending Jolly Roger flags to one another. Um, And I don't know, I I didn't know what what else to do. but nonetheless, within, I, I believe it was yesterday, uh, they had an opportunity to address some of the things that, that Russell Moore mm. scolded them for in that private letter that was leaked yeah. um, to the executive, uh, the letter that he had written to the executive commu- committee. Mm-hmm. And they rejected uh, an effort to address and investigate abuse. Um, so I know you already mentioned sort of the, uh, I don't know, futility, I guess, of, yeah. of wanting them to change. But nonetheless, it, it feels like it it is something that is of vital importance to people that have either been abused in these, um, in these churches. And we're hoping, because I, I think that is one thing that, uh, that you and I both know is that people that whether they use the term evangelical post evangelical whatever they they were in these churches and had to leave mm-hmm. you know a lot of people it's it's a it's a move move of last resort for for people to leave um so what what do you think the significance of this sort of outright rejection of even investigating yeah uh investigating these credible allegations of abuse will do to those people that are entrusted to their pastoral care? Well, I mean, I don't know if it makes you feel any better. I um, went to the grocery store like a couple hours ago to get some coffee. And um, while I was gone, I still had the live stream going on. And Caitlin texted me and said that they approved a resolution to pray for the end of sexual abuse. Oh, so, I, I feel so um, much better. Oh my yeah, goodness. Yeah, I think that's really going to do it for us. Yeah. Um, thoughts l- and prayers. It's worked really well for gun violence, so I think it'll work exactly the same for mm-hmm. sexual abuse. Um, yeah, if you can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> We're I'm feeling pissed. cynical up. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think really the the thing that makes me so angry about this kind of stuff is like it would be so laughably, hilariously bad if it weren't for the fact that there are actual vulnerable people still in these pews, like still being affected by this, like when you're out of it, when you get out, you're like, oh, these people are so ignorant, LOL. But like, there's people in the pews who are still being affected by that. And I think that's like the hardest part is like knowing that like, as much as I wish, like I could just not give a shit about like what the Southern Baptist Convention is doing in my town this week. Like, I know how how many did you say? Fourteen point five. Yeah. Like, I know that like what the Southern Baptist Convention is doing in my town this week is going to inf- affect fourteen point five million people because policy is real and policy is a justice issue, and so like even though all of this stuff is just like wild and like, you know, my gay ass is like sitting there, like listening to JD Greer talking about how like homosexuality is an issue about which faithful Christians cannot disagree. And I'm like, most of my classmates in seminary are like queer Christians who are much better Christians than me. And like, you know, like it's just, it's so ridiculous. It's a, it's yeah. a, it's a ridiculous, laughable statement, but like, but there are people in the pews who are like really affected by that. And that's what makes it serious to me. So I just get really angry. It's like, it's hard to talk about, I think, because it's like, I would just as soon never talk about any of these crusty dudes ever again, but they are affecting queer folks. They are affecting people of color. They're affecting women and children. And like, 
and what the decisions that they're making about this type of stuff like really does trickle down into like tangible differences in justice for real life people. And so mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's just, oh, it sucks. <laughs> like it really sucks. Um, and, and, and that's where I'm kind of just like, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, like head down, hand to the plow, like, because I want to be available for these folks when they start to Google, you know? Yeah. There we go. My phone rang. I want to be available for these folks when they start to Google, when they start to figure out, you know, what's going on. Like I want to be there and be welcoming and be open armed. Um, right. but yeah, uh, it, it is, it's, it's hard to watch. Like for that reason, I do think, um, one really just like shout out to therapy. Uh, (laughs) I'm able to watch the Southern Baptist convention and not like burst into tears or have a panic attack. Right. Cause I'm like, this is actually just wild. Um, but it, it, it's hard. It's hard. And, And mainly I'm watching it, uh, to be able to know what the hell I'm talking about. Uh, in right. the weeks that follow when we find out just exactly what these policy decisions, like how they trickle down and affect real life people. Mm-hmm. And, and beyond that, just beyond what, what we're seeing. And as you said, like policy is a, is a justice issue and for churches, policy is also theology. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so what we're, uh, I, I sort of feel the same way and it, it sucks to, to like be, to be a podcaster and like be sort of dumbstruck by and out of frustration. Um, and that same, same sort of way. Cause you, no one wants to listen to dead air, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I feel this same sort of way. And I'm, I am curious about uh, your read on the way in which we actually are seeing um, this, uh, this, ultra conservative wing. Cause actually the way the, the Washington post uh, framed it was, it's not even a competition between liberals and conservatives. It's between conservatives and ultra conservatives. Uh, and that, yeah. and, in Russell Moore's letter, I mean, he would, you know, he's very, he's very much he Baptist in that he's motivated um, to address social justice because of hell, like not because of people, yeah. people today. No, Russell Moore, Russell and, Moore still thinks that I am going to hell because I am marrying a woman. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's not even, they're not even arguing about the things that, that other denominations might argue about. Um, and this is actually completely sort of, and this is, we're in this at least we think we're in this sort of post-Trump era. No, uh, we're not. And, <laughs> but the the sort of... I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm thankful that he's not on Twitter, but we are hardly post-Trump. Right. Yeah. And so what we're seeing in, in this instance is the, the way in the results of uh, the, another conservative resurgence, essentially. Um, and for like Protestant church history nerds, there was a conservative resurgence in the eighties um, yeah. by Peter Well, and it's Patterson. happening in other denominations. In fact, literally, mm-hmm. it's so funny that you bring this up. A few hours ago, Caitlin and I were literally just talking about this because uh, my fiance at Caitlin J Stout, who was lovely, um, grew up Nazarene, and uh, there is a conservative resurgence in the Nazarene denomination right now. Mm -hmm. And it's called the concerned Nazarenes quote unquote. And they're like, they're the conservative resurgence of the Nazarenes and they're out there to get queer people. And they're out there to get anyone who like is being even remotely like (laughs) not even, I don't even want to say theologically liberal, just not like theologically hateful. Uh, (laughs) You know, anybody who anybody who has even like an inkling of of moderate or progressive theology is just like. um, And so, yeah, this is happening in a lot of denominations. I think we are seeing it play out on a very large national scale because the Southern Baptist is such a huge denomination and so well known. And there's so many kind of like celebrity people in it. And they they also have been in the news so much because of church too, with their like abuse mishandlings and stuff. But this mm-hmm. is actually happening in like a lot of denominations right now where right. there's this like neo fundamentalist, like neo conservative resurgence movement happening. Yeah. And thank you for, for, for bringing that up because I, because where I was really wanting to go is just, I, I feel like at, at, we're in this space again, where conservatives know how to toe the line, toe that goddamn line 
<laughs> and like and walk in lockstep and achieve their goals. Um, and and different liberals who are are have what you would want to say is like their heart in the right place or or trying to do these things that that would move all of society forward instead of preserving power for uh, white men. Um, I, I just, how, how do you feel that like we can counteract these sorts of things? Is it through making sort of a network of networks of, um, of say like church two and other sort yeah. uh, like the sort of direct action that you just did that led to a yeah. tangible result? Um, be, because to me, what, what I, what, where my headspace is right now is just that these, even though we know that this, this is a big denomination, there's 16,000 people. There's a lot of, there's a lot of money involved. There's a lot of mm-hmm. institutions involved. Um, and I, I, I think you and I, in our own ways are sort of in this for the long game, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm just, uh, curious where, as you're observing all of this happen, um, how, how you think that, uh, those people that, as you, as you said, um, when you were talking to that older gentleman and he was trying to say, we're all on the same side. Well, no, this is not a a matter of Christian unity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you want to preserve things that are hostile to you, Emily, that, that, that person, Mm -hmm. um, didn't, wouldn't see you as a full full communion partner or some churchy BS. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, so I think direct action is crucial. I think that movements for accountability and solidarity are crucial. I also think, um, God, you know, I, I fired off some kind of snarky tweets about the SBC today because I've just been watching them and I just want people to, you know, <laughs> I want people to suffer with me while I, while I watch this bullshit. Sure. Um, but I do think that like one really important thing is like, um, letting these folks like metaphorically die in obscurity. Like I think, uh, God, there are whole like ex-evangelical and post-evangelical like social media communities and accounts that exist just to like find the worst dregs of of like evangelical Christian content and like in the name of like making fun of it or like debunking it or whatever, like actually just end up like amplifying that content to all their followers and making sure that like a lot more people see it than ever would have if you had just like let them spew this bullshit to like their 10 TikTok followers. But like because you personally picked them up and was like, this Christian said this horrible thing. Now, like all your followers are going to see it and then their metrics look good and then they keep doing it. You're feeding the beast. You're feeding Mm -hmm. the troll. Like, I think some of this is going to be like us learning discipline and learning like, if you want to like use something as a teachable moment, like take a fucking screenshot. Like you don't have to like, you don't have to like, amplify all of these people. So part of it's that, right? Like I, I even feel a little bit complicated about like tweeting about the SBC, uh, convention today because I'm like, nobody needs to know what these people say. They should say it in darkness because it's embarrassing. Like the stuff that they're saying, you should be ashamed of. You should be ashamed to say that in public. You should be like, that's a thing that like the stuff, the kind of stuff that they are saying today should be like, Oh, we should all gasp at that. Like, how could you say that in 2021 in public? Like, oh my God, what? Like, mm-hmm. but yet we're like amplifying it as if it's legitimate and it's not. So like, that's part of it, right? Is like, we just need to let these folks like say what they're saying in obscurity. Um, and so that's part of it, I think. I mean. Yeah, I know it's a big question. Yeah. It's not, it's it's it, not necessarily. Yeah. I, and I mean, this is, this is the sort of headspace I've been yeah. Uh, living in for the last few months because I'm, I'm, I'm working on a book proposal. I'm working nice. on the next, the next season of of uh, yeah. my my other podcast that's all about media. So, like mm. to me, um, it's Blake. I took um, a class this past semester at Vanderbilt um, on theology, visual culture, and new media. So, if you want to like Ooh. talk about it, I can send you like the syllabus and like 
the yes. sources and all that kind of stuff <laughs> if you want to like look into it. But yeah, absolutely. I do yeah. think also like just historically, I think um, like if you look at like politics between like Republicans and Democrats, like Republicans are always thinking like 20 years longer than Democrats are thinking. Um, right. And that to me, that's the issue. Like it, I, yeah. I, to me, like yeah. one of the things is that is that we still use even liberals use Republican framings. Mm. Um, yeah. And the, and they the thing, concede. They have the conversation on the terms of the Republicans. And I'm like, I don't even want to have the conversation like that. I'm not. And, yeah. And it's it's present in conservative theological groups, too, because what they've what they've done is they 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 will co-opt a term like woke, like cancel culture and like, <laughs> like now like race theory. Yes. Now like CRT, yeah. that's the next mm-hmm. thing they will do it God. to the degree that that people become inoculated to mm-hmm. the meaning of the term. And then people don't want to freaking hear it ever again. Well, and before and, critical race theory, it was intersectionality because I told, I just tweeted about this like a couple of days ago, but, um, periodically I will go and, um, do like clinic greeting at Planned Parenthood. And, uh, and one time I was clinic reading at Planned Parenthood and there was a bunch of protesters and this man was like standing on the sideline of the Planned Parenthood yelling at me like, ma'am, ma'am, intersectionality is a myth. And I was like, <laughs> are you are you saying that because I look gay because I have tattoos? Like, why are you trying to what what made you think you want to yell that at me? Like, it was just. <laughs> It was so confusing and intersectionality was that, and now it's critical race theory. Right. But like, right. Yeah. But you it's hold- basically the same moral panic over like having to admit that white supremacy is real. Right. And you, you halt conversation, you halt progress. Yeah. And so to me, that's the major frustration. And I, I, I go back and forth on that same thing you said, like, do you, I, I haven't watched the Simpsons in a long time, but there's this old, that was ho- the one thing that made it through my homeschool filter we were not allowed to watch shit but my dad loved the simpsons so when my mom went to bed we could watch the simpsons with my dad it was like a special treat so do you remember there's this there's a treehouse of horror episode where all of the like billboards come to life so, and <laughs> and like and all of these all of these different um you know massive giants start destroying mm-hmm. um start destroying and then paul anka writes a little song that says just don't look and to me, in my head, that's the that's the thing is yeah. that like if you starve, as you said, starve the beast, uh, and that's that's the hard thing is that is there's this tension that <laughs> I feel like um, folks that have our backgrounds have to contest with, which is when is it healthy for you to look back mm-hmm. uh, to these communities you come from? When is it when is it unhealthy for you to do that? And when do you have as you've sort of, as you've demonstrated recently, like this, this opportunity, this imperative to make an informed direct action. And mm-hmm. like, it's just one other complicated calculus of being like a human in the 21st century. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that there is a, like a universal answer. No, no, is, that's the hard part. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I mean, I'm glad you're out. I, I'm glad you're out there and where you are, uh, doing this work. And, um, I'm really thankful that you were able to, to talk with me for a while on this. I know that's been sort of a helter skelter here in the second half (laughs) of our conversation, just as we, as we unpack, uh, our, our thoughts and feels. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was really glad to have, um, an excuse to come out here on my porch and talk to you because otherwise I'd have to be putting together furniture inside. So there you go. A A little respite from, (laughs) from, uh, uh, Swedish furniture (laughs) assembly. (laughs) Well, Emily, uh, thank you so much for joining me again on the show. Thanks for, I I know these aren't easy topics uh, at times and, um, and I always appreciate your insight and candor uh, on this, on things relative to this, this wonderful fun world we, (laughs) we come from. Um, Where can people find you online? Where can they find your book? Anything else you want to mention here at the end? Oh, yes. Um, Find me on the places. I am at Emily Joy Poetry on um, Instagram and also Twitter. Um, You can buy my book any place that books can be bought. Um, The nicest place to buy my book, especially in a world that is trying to recover from a pandemic, is your local bookstore. And a lot of people have told me um, that they have just called their local bookstore and asked if they will get it. And they will. If you're here in Nashville, um, our local bookstore, Pornassus, has um, 
a couple copies of my book. So you can go to Parnassus, uh, wherever you are, call your local bookstore. If they don't already have it, ask them if they have it. It's a great way to support me. And also not Jeff Bezos. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's yeeting himself to space. That's the first time I've you ever said that word out loud. Uh, yeeting. Ye- oh, way to go. This is but like feel- us, us like elder millennials are like using words like yeet. And we're like, wow, we're so cool. We're so hip. Maybe, maybe Jeff Bezos will not come back. It's very possible. We can cross our fingers. We can hope and pray. And here's the thing. Like, I don't even really believe in prayer. But in this moment, I'm praying. <laughs> <laughs> well, Emily, thank you very much for joining me and uh and, and good luck with the rest of your <laughs> furniture <laughs> assembly. Thank you.